Hey guys, it's Shawnee and welcome back to What Was Scotland podcast. So I'm going to apologise in advance because there's somebody outside my road that's going like up and down the road with a trailer and if you can hear it then I'm sorry but I'm going to, I'm obviously trying to edit it out the background noise but yeah we may end up with a trailer passing by every so often because they've literally, I've been waiting holding off for the last like um, 10 minutes maybe and they've been up and down about four times and I thought oh this is getting beyond the joke now I'm just gonna have to start recording because this is too much so apologies in advance and also I might I might record the Alicia McPherson episode again because I know how bad the audio quality was in the middle and God, I don't know. I think the mic was just breaking or something. It was absolutely fucking horrendous. But I just wanted to really, I really wanted to get it out. So I thought, oh, if I re-record it again, then I just thought that if I didn't get it out, then I wouldn't have an episode last week. And I don't know, I was all in my head about it. But yeah, I think I might re-record it because I listened to it again and I was like, oh my God, that was actually fucking terrible. The audio quality was so, so bad. But anyway, I got a new mic, yay! So I've got a new mic today that we're recording on that's ready for my new desk whenever I eventually get wood because what I'm doing is in my spare room, I'm turning it into my podcasting room. I have my chair now, which is super exciting. I don't need to sit on the floor. Well, technically, I am still sitting on the floor recording this today because my desk isn't built yet, so... Aye, but soon, because what I'm planning on doing is like making my own floating shelf desk out of like old reclaimed wood. And I did have a couple of panels, but again, they were at my mum and dad's house, which, by the way, if you didn't know, burned to the ground a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, I don't have wood anymore. Or my soundproofing equipment as well, that went. But yeah, so again, still might be a bit echoey because of that, but hopefully, again, they'll be delivered soon and I'll have a better sound set up and I'm going to go hunting for some old reclaimed wood to get my desk set up so happy days hopefully we will be cooking with gas oh man I'm going to say like the end of July because you know I'm back to work and not enough time for podcasting but it's still fun so we're still doing it and still great the case that we're getting into today is Edward William Pritchard he was noted as a liar, a womanizer, and a murderer. Surprise, surprise. Now, this is another, like, back-in-the-day case, which is probably, like, one of my favourite cases to cover is, like, one of the olden-day cases. Victorian times. I want to say Victorian times because it was 1825 he was born. So, I feel like the 1800s was Victorian times, but... I'm not like, I'm not like a historian, so don't quote me. Actually, let's just do a quick Google search because, you know, let's let's try and be factually correct. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, Queen Victoria reigned from the 20th of June 1837 to the 22nd of January 1901. So, bang in between those times. Mr. Pritchard was born in 1825, which was before... Queen Victoria reigned, so that would be the Edwardian times. Anyway, I am totally digressing into history, which is not what this podcast is all about. We are into murder. 
So, digressing, stopped. Let's get back to the case. Edward Pritchard was born on the 6th of December 1825 in South Sea, which is in Hampshire in England. And he was born into a pretty respected naval family. His father was called John White Pritchard and he was a captain of a boat. He claimed, claimed to have studied at King's College Hospital in London and to have graduated from there in 1846. This is Edward, by the way. I realised that I just jumped from the dad to Edward. But yeah, Edward claimed to have studied at the King's College Hospital in London. But there is, like, a lot of doubt on his, like, credentials as a doctor because apparently there wasn't, like, paperwork or something like there, it was just fuzzy like a lot of things that I read online were saying that a lot of people questioned his validity as a doctor so there you go he then served in the Royal Navy as an assistant surgeon on HMS Victory which I've definitely heard of before but again not not big into my history well I like history but not very good at remembering things, so, you know, there's the issue. He was there for a time. Then he spent the next four years on various other ships sailing around the world. He returned to Portsmouth in England on HMS Hecate, which is another, like, quite big, well-known ship of the time. While he was there, this is where he met his future wife, Mary Jane Taylor, She was the daughter of a prosperous retired silk merchant from Edinburgh. The couple married in 1851 and then they had five children. He resigned from the Navy and took a job as a GP in the Yorkshire area, living in Hunmanby in England. At this time as well, he was the author of several books about his travels and life as a assistant surgeon on a boat, things like that. He also wrote several articles for the Lancet paper as well. In 1859, he left in a cloud of debt and moved to Glasgow. Biographies described him to look respectable, but was weak of character and pretty much a joke amongst his colleagues because he tended to boast a lot. He tended to big himself up and obviously the lying and the boasting leads to people talking about you, you know, because if people can see through your act of, look at me, I'm so great, but I've actually got nothing to back it up, then you're going to get talked about, you know? Like, you shouldn't lie about these things and you shouldn't, like, I think the impression that I got from everything that I read, that it was kind of trying to rub it in people's faces and you really shouldn't be acting like that if you can't back up your claims, you know? So yeah, he was a bit of a joke. In 1863, when he was 38, a fire broke out in a room in his house. This was the room of a servant girl. She was found dead and it seemed pretty clear that she had made no attempt to leave the room during the fire. 
Pritchard was widely suspected of foul play, but no one could prove anything and he won like a really big claim from his insurance company. So a lot of people did say at the time as well that they thought it was a wee bit, you know, sus that this fire had broke out in his home, which led to him getting some money when he was having money issues. And also there was a lot of rumours about town that he was a big womaniser and one of his main like targets or fancies was the maids that he employed. So there was a lot of rumour about like, oh, he'd done it for money and twofold to get rid of someone that he'd been sleeping with and maybe it was going to come out to his wife or she was he didn't want her anymore or whatever the reason was speculation but still those were the rumours about town. In 1864 he made another servant girl pregnant Mary McLeod aged 15. She was from Ely and promised her that if his wife should die he would marry her. On this promise Mary had an abortion In November of 1864, his wife Mary became really ill. Lucky her husband was a doctor then, you would think. Maybe not so much. She was vomiting and suffered from dizziness. She suffered from headaches. Her constitution was considerably weak. It was suspected poisoning by another doctor at the time. But again, nothing could be proved. And I think there was like a lot of not wanting to step on people's toes, you know. So I think this doctor was a neighbour and the symptoms could match the symptoms of poisoning. But he wouldn't want to come out and say that at the time because that could implement his good neighbour doctor, Mr Edward Pritchard, or like contradict what he was diagnosing as a doctor himself. Therefore, there was a lot of etiquette at the time and nothing was really said. Mary Pritchard's mother, Mrs Jane Taylor, who was around 70 at the time, lived in Edinburgh, moved to the Pritchard Sucky Hall Street house in Glasgow to nurse her daughter back to health. But soon Mrs Taylor started suffering from the same symptoms. On the 25th of February 1865, Mrs Taylor died. A neighbour doctor, Dr James Patterson, the doctor who we were just talking about, who had been a doctor for 30 years, was asked by Mr Michael Taylor, Mary's dad, Jane's husband, to certify the death of his wife. But he declined. Again, he didn't want to step on Edward's toes. He was a doctor. So the death was certified by Dr Pritchard himself. He noted that the primary cause of death, paralysis, duration 12 hours, and the secondary cause was apoplery. Apoplery? I don't even know what that means. But that duration was one hour. So again, nothing to do with poisoning or anything that was suspected by this other doctor who didn't see anything. 
Dr Pritchard accompanied the body to Edinburgh where arrangements were made for the funeral at Grange Cemetery. On return to Glasgow, Dr Pritchard found that the condition of his wife had not changed. On the 17th of March, he took a severe attack of cramps and became lightheaded. Dr Peterson from next door was called in during the evening and found that her condition had taken an alarming turn for the worse. Two days later, on the 19th of March, 1865, she died. Dr Pritchard, her husband, certified her death as gastric fever for a duration of two months. That same day, he accompanied the body of his wife to Edinburgh to be laid to rest with her mother. At the request of Dr Pritchard, the coffin was opened at Mr Taylor's house. He kissed his dead wife on the lips, showing a great deal of feelings. Onlookers said that he was so inconsolable, so vexed by the loss, he showed a remarkable show of public affection and undying love for his dead wife. He put on a show. He was later accused of crocodile tears, which earned him the nickname The Human Crocodile. He was also later known for another nickname due to his well-known fondness for young ladies, especially the household servants, and was dubbed the poisoning philanderer. But we'll get to that. So after this big massive show of undying love for his wife and the, the perfect grieving husband, he boarded a train back to Glasgow from Edinburgh. As soon as he stepped off the train at Queen Street Station, he was arrested. He was read his rights then and there and charged for the murder of both his wife and his mother-in-law. The procurator fiscal had received an anonymous letter pointing to the suspicious circumstances in which his wife and mother-in-law had died, which led to his arrest. This was the beginning of the end for the devilish doctor. Despite protesting his innocence, forensic evidence pointed otherwise. They found high amounts of poison in both of the women's bodies. He was caught. The trial was held in the High Court in Edinburgh with Lord Ingalls presiding. It took only four days but did involve much examination and cross-examination. It was established that both women had died of poisoning. They had both been taking high levels of Batley's sedative solution, which is opium, to relieve their pains but this had been laced with antimony and tincture of a contite poison which Dr Pritchard could easily attain. There was also reports that it could have been possibly administered by Mary McLeod on his instructions as well. No one thought to begin with that the doctor could have done anything like this and he even got his 14-year-old daughter and son who was 11 to give evidence in court and tell the jury how much their father loved their mother. Tears came to Dr Pritchard as they took the stand but evidence of his affair with young Mary ripped his credibility to shreds. And obviously, when the jury were told about the poison found in both bodies, it was going to be game over for Edward. The jury took only one hour to find him guilty and Lord Ingalls passed the death sentence. Huge crowds were gathered outside the court as he was taken away and Pritchard apparently bowed to them. 
He, at that point, only had 21 days to live. He made various confessions during this time and many implemented or straight out blamed 15-year-old Mary, the maid. He did eventually clear her name and took the entire blame, saying, The sentence is just. I am guilty of the deaths of my mother-in-law and my wife. I can assign no motive beyond terrible madness. I alone, not Mary MacLeod, poisoned my wife. On the 28th of July 1865, Pritchard was taken to the gallows at the jail square beside Glasgow Green. This is where the High Court in Glasgow is now. So if anyone knows Glasgow and, you know, the High Court, which is quite close to Glasgow Green slash River Clyde, then that is where he was hanged. His hangman was to be legendary William Calcraft, known as the Executioner Extraordinaire. He had the longest career as a hangman, 45 years, and it was also said that he used the shortest rope. The previous year, William had famously carried out a multiple hanging of five pirates in public, so he was pretty well known, and this got the people of Glasgow very excited for this public hanging. The Glasgow crowd, which was rumoured to be in the tens of thousands, some articles even said there was like a hundred thousand people there. They all gathered to watch Pritchard's public hanging, which was to be the last public hanging in Glasgow. They cheered and hissed at his arrival. Pritchard was wearing a dark suit and shiny black shoes. A prayer was said and a rope was placed around his neck, cap over his face. And at 8.10am, Pritchard was, as they said at the time, launched into eternity. Wow. I mean, that's that's heavy, isn't it? I mean, good, you killed two people, like, 100%, go for it. At the time, hanging was like a normal thing, so not going to say anything there. But, I mean, launched into eternity. These Victorians had some wee-wee words, didn't they? There was no tear shed for the human crocodile. Apparently, he suffered really badly. Um, it wasn't a very straightforward hanging. His body apparently convulsed over and over again at least a dozen times. Pritchard was buried in the South Prison's murderer graveyard where plots were only identified by initials. Many years later, workmen building the High Court in Glasgow found black shoes under some stones that were initialed EWP, Edward William Pritchard. You think? Maybe. Apparently, the guy that found them took them like straight down to the local pub and sold them on as Edward William Pritchard's shoes because it was like still a very widely known and talked about murder case in Glasgow. But that just kind of sums up Glasgow for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't really get put off by having murderers things, sell, sell murderers things if you want. Like, people in Glasgow are tough, they'll be like, I'll kill man. I would love to own a pair of murderer's shoes. Why not? One day they might be worth money. I could imagine the conversation right now. But yeah, so that's the story of Edward William Pritchard, the human crocodile. And yeah, I like these like old school victorian murder cases. They're obviously, they're quite fun to cover, you know? And also, just a sneak peek into next week's episode because I am so, so super excited about it. I have literally just went down a whole, whole of research in the last, like, two 
two, three days, like a total black hole. I'm lost. I've been working, eating, sleeping and researching. That's all I've been doing because I'm falling down a black hole. But to expand on that, the next week's case will be the mysterious murder of the Glasgow porn king. And it's gonna be a good one. Also, as I found this one story, I was like, oh good, cool, yep, yep, a little little story, little murder, possibly a whodunit. We've not got the answers, things like that. And then it led to finding out something else. And then it led to finding out something else. And then it led to this could be connected to a really super famous serial killer from Scotland. Like, a really, really famous one. And I'm like, oh, this is even more exciting. Then I found the police officer that dealt with it. And wow, does he cover so many crazy murder cases in Scotland. So this one guy that I found online that I started researching linked to one of the biggest serial killers that linked to one of the most famous police officers that dealt with very high-profile murders in and around the Glasgow area. So the next, like, three, maybe even four episodes will all kind of be linked together but then also you'll be able to listen to them completely separately and in no order at all to be able to listen to them. But it's really cool how, like, maybe one, two, three, four, five, six, there are, I think about seven murders, but by different people, are all kind of like they all knew each other in some way or their paths cross, crossed at some point, you know? So that's pretty cool. Like, I got excited. And I mean, that might totally not excite you, but each to their own. I got excited, so here we go. July's gonna be fun. So that's what I'm gonna be doing over the next, like, week, is putting loads of research into that. If I feel like I've not, like, a hundred percent got everything together, then I might just only release a court roundup in between. I have one pre-recorded from, like, I want to say like the 15th of June, something like that. I'm not sure. Anyway, I had one, I've already got one pre-recorded in case of emergency. So I was thinking that I'll definitely be, next week is definitely going to be the mysterious murder of the Glasgow porn king because I've done all that research. And then the week after that might just be a, a court roundup week. And then it'll be like the biggie. Exciting, exciting. I'll just, I'll give you a clue, okay? The World's End pub. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Something. But Emma might want to join me for that one because I'm not even sure she might have already mentioned it in the Dennis Nielsen or I could have just cut that bit out. I'm not sure. But she definitely mentioned that if I was doing The World's End, then she would probably want to do it with me because it's Edinburgh and she's from Edinburgh and she loves all things Edinburgh. So I'll ask her and see if she wants to join me for that one. So that would be something to look forward to. Oh, and also, we are in the middle of recording episode for you on Birkin here. So, yeah, hundreds of spoilers at the end of this episode. So, there might even be one week that you get two for the price of one. A wee Brucey bonus, you know? So, stay tuned, guys. And I think that's pretty much it for today. So, yeah, all the usual stuff, you know, follow me on Instagram and Twitter and all that jazz, leave me a wee comment, let's get a chatting about what's happening. Um, if you have any suggestions, then email over lawlessscotland at gmail.com. I would love to take some suggestions. That would be good fun too. And 
leave a review if you feel so inclined on Apple Podcasts. And I think that's pretty much the business for the day done. So I'll see you in the next one. Bye guys.